Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. High formation, toss to McCaffrey. Big hole, and he runs out across the 30, breaks a tackle, he's gone. Touchdown! C-M-C! Baker leans in, there's the snap, blitz comes. Mayfield back, loads, throws, pick up the Lions! Intercepted by the Lions! Intercepted by the Lions! Derek Barnes! Derek Barnes! Derek Barnes! Baby, 1.33 to go. Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio here on ESPN 590, ESPN Tri-Cities. Anna Bellinghouse and Andrew Rogers. Uh, in those NFL games, NFL highlights, there were no substitutions made, but coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. This message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Uh, speaking of the NFL, let's... Uh, Let's talk with a, one of our good friends of the show, Brett Soboleski, NFL analyst for Bleacher Report, at Brent Soboleski on Twitter. Uh, Brent, good morning. Good morning. What do you guys want to talk about? we got so much going on in the NFL right now. <laughs> we do, we do. And uh, you know what? I, I guess let's start out with, uh, with the two teams that are – well, let's do the AFC because I think that's the marquee matchup right now. So – you look at the Ravens, you look at the Chiefs. You know, Mahomes is that dude that, you know, I think he's taken over the tag of you don't want to bet against him. However, yeah. this year's Ravens team is by far the best team in the AFC. Is this one of those exceptions where you would bet against Mahomes? Well, since I have the pleasure of, of making my picks each week for Bleacher Report when it comes to betting favorites, no, I am not betting against Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. <laughs> so I'm just put, throwing that out there before those uh, selections come out in the next day or so on, on the website. Look, it's not just about Mahomes, though, yes. And I love the analogy we've been hearing recently about Mahomes being the Jordan to Josh Allen's Carl Malone. I think that's a wonderful way to frame the way the NFL is now. You can literally have the second best player in the NFL, but it doesn't matter because you're playing against the best player in the NFL, and it's hard to discount that advantage no matter how good your team is overall. But it's more than Mahomes and what the Chiefs are doing at this juncture. We look at Isaiah Pacheco and how he's firmly established a really physical presence in that run game for the Kansas City Chiefs. More importantly, in the offense, the emergence of players like Rasheed Rice uh, as a number one target. Now, if you look over to the last, up until uh, last weekend's game, he had uh, Rice and not Travis Kelsey have led the Chiefs in targets for five of the last six w- previous six weeks. So th- th- there's a comfortability factor that when teams are really collapsing down on Kelsey and trying to 
get him over the middle of the field, Rice can do some damage, and that's really been huge for the Chiefs' offense as well. And furthermore, that defense is much better than it's ever getting credit for. For example, the one throw that everyone is admonishing Josh Allen for with the wide-open Khalil Shakir in the back of the end zone that kind of fluttered short, it was because of Chris Jones driving Deion Dawkins into Josh Allen's lap, the reason that pass wasn't completed for a touchdown. And so when you look at the way they're playing as well, I think it's their complete combination peaking at the right time once again uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And speaking at the peaking at the right time too, Travis Kelsey, a guy that's kind of been quiet from the touchdown category, but then had two against the Bills. Do you think they're starting to click again at the right time? Well, I, I think it's uh, to what I mentioned earlier. The offense is opening up to a degree, right? So when you don't have to collapse the defense down consistently, on particularly on those middle of the field routes where you can uh, where you can um, bracket Travis Kelsey in coverage consistently because others can make you pay. The last week it wasn't necessarily Rice; it was. Marquez Valdez-Scantling with two big catches. If these players show up, that offense is almost impossible to stop. And that's what we saw a few years ago when they had Tyreek Hill. But with Hill's departure, from an overall standpoint, Mahomes is better because he sees the field better. It's not just, okay, I know he's down there somewhere. I'm just going to chuck it and let's hope for the best. And, and granted, it was always a little more than that. But now – the way he orchestrates from all of his through all of his targets, he's done a wonderful job. And Kelsey, yes, he is the motor, but at the same time, others are opening up things for him. So I agree with you that he's really someone that we can see more of now that we're this late in the season. Brent, you mentioned Josh Allen and that throw that could have you know changed everything in that divisional game. Is Josh Allen falling more into the Dak Prescott conversation of not being able to win uh, the big one than the top quarterback conversation? I don't believe so because anyone who watched that game saw how he played phenomenally well. Uh, Again, I'll point to the one throw that I mentioned. It was the left tackle that let him down. You can point to the kicker who missed another wide right situation in Buffalo. You can point to Stephon Diggs on the very first play on the final drive. The ball delivered perfectly, 60 yards downfield, misplays. It goes through his arms and then you lose a big play and an opportunity to potentially score earlier in the fourth quarter. So it's not necessarily uh, Josh Allen making these mistakes. Yes, he has a little bit of gunslinger in him, and there will be opportunities when he makes or attempts the types of throws he shouldn't. But overall, he does far more good than he does bad when he's on the field and places them in a position to win each week. And I will also point something else out, and this is something – I wrote this morning, we're already in Bleachport looking at coaches on the hot seat in 2024, and one of those that I included was Sean McDermott. Now, Sean McDermott is a defensive-minded head coach, right? And I understand Buffalo had a lot of injuries on that side of the ball when playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, but when your last three playoff losses, Patrick Mahomes is throwing for 75% completion percentage with an 8-0 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, you're not doing something right on that side of the ball, and your head coach needs to adjust, and he hasn't. It's interesting you say that. Ravi has been on the Sean McDermott uh, should be let go train uh, for the last month now. So you're not the only one that is uh, mentioning Sean McDermott's name. I may be on the other side of the fence still, uh, but, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say I I couldn't be convinced. Now, on the uh, NFC side of things, what do you think about the Lions 49ers active line? Because seven points seems like a lot. It does, and I, it's one of these ones where you want 
you want to make a pick based on common sense, but at the same time, you t- totally want to go with your heart. And when it comes to the Detroit Lions and everything that city's endured and how much losing they've gone through, the fact that they're one of two teams that were in existence before 2000 that still haven't been to the Super Bowl, that atmosphere the last two weekends was absolutely electric in Detroit. I'm, I almost feel bad that this game isn't in Detroit. You almost want to see it in, the, in that stadium again. Uh, but you look at the 49ers and how good they are, particularly the fact that Debo Samuel will figure out how effective he is, but that shoulder not being as uh, bad as we initially expected when he went out of that contest. These guys know how to create plays, how to design offenses, and Brock Purdy orchestrates it very, very well, and it makes it really difficult. No matter how much you like Detroit or rooting for them personally, this San Francisco team is so well-constructed on every level. Brent, um, Purdy took a lot of criticism for how he played in that divisional game last weekend. Do you think it was warranted? And if so, how much better does he need to be for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl this year? No, I don't think it's warranted. We, I mean, let's, let's look, I, I just said I love the way he operates the offense efficiently. And that, that was an overall statement. And, yes, there are points during the season where he, he's been up and down. Let's not forget, this is year two, right? <laughs> this is year two for him as a full-time starter. Not only uh, year two as a full-time starter, but he missed m- almost all of the offseason because of that reconstructed elbow on his, on his throwing arm. So, there are times where he's not going to be able to be the type of player we expect him to be, and that's okay because they have the talent around them, and that's really what's important. When it comes to Purdy and what he does, he just needs to be a facilitator, a point guard, if you will, to the offense. The way that Kyle Shanahan sets up his scheme, he devises it in a way to where he's always creating space, and by in creating space thus allows the playmakers to create after the catch or um, just uh, really improve by adding chunk plays when essentially your quarterback's really passing the ball two, three, five yards downfield at the most. So to me, it's just about efficiency. And with Purdy, you don't need a lot out of him. You just need him to operate the offense. And if you do that, they will be absolutely fine and they should be considered a favorite as a result. I want to talk Jared Goff as well because I feel like he hasn't gotten as much love as maybe he's deserved. Do you think he is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, I'm not trying to be, be facetious here. It's, it's just the fact that when you think back of the way he came to Detroit, he was essentially just a throw-in, right? Mm-hmm. It was. Okay, Matthew Stafford's the big component here. And, yes, the Rams won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. But you know what? We don't need this quarterback anymore. We don't care that he was a number one overall pick. He wasn't good enough for us. You guys can just take him. Well, the guy that helped draft him and Brad Holmes, that's the general manager now of the Detroit Lions, knew what type of uh, what professional and player that Jared Goff was. Now, I will say this. what Jared Goff, The reason Jared Goff was – uh, upgraded, if you will, from Matt, by Matthew Stafford is because he is another one of those quarterbacks where he's at his best when he's operating within the scheme. And today's NFL is so predicated on quarterbacks extending plays and their ability to work off platform and just creating, like we've seen with Patrick Mahomes and a Stafford and a Lamar Jackson. 
But when you have the situation Detroit does, which is arguably the best offensive line in football, right? You have mega a mega talent in the backfield with Jameer Gibbs uh, emerging this year, plus a nice solid runner and David Montgomery. Then you throw in the talent they have a wide receiver uh, with Amon Amon Ross St. Brown being a first team All Pro. Josh Reynolds playing really well uh, down the stretch, and Jamison Williams' speed to kind of threaten defenses vertically. He can orchestrate that offense and make big-time throws. He's just not the guy that you want consistently being asked to shoulder the entire offense. He's not, and so he's playing exceptionally well for that Detroit Lions team. Brent, how much of a headache do you think Buccaneers fans have right now? Because I'm sure they're still banging their head against the wall about how that game ended against the Lions this past weekend. After hearing Todd Bowles say – Basically, we weren't going to win and essentially just giving up and not using that timeout. Well, I mean, yes, it's frustrating. It, it, it's a double-edged sword because, yes, that's frustrating. The way it ended is, is you don't want to see that because this is a team that was competitive, that pro- exceeded expectations. Uh, I think they found somewhat of an answer in Baker Mayfield, a quarterback, and a bit of a renaissance season. Maybe NFL Comeback Player of the Year if it wasn't for – Tamar Hamlin's uh, amazing comeback this season. I think that team's in a really good spot, to be quite honest with you. Now, specifically, it's concerning. And it's not the only time in Todd Bowles' career where he didn't have a a real good grasp of in-game situations. So, with that said, uh, I mentioned earlier that piece about how I wrote coaches on the hot seat. Despite what we heard from Bowles, I do not think he's on the hot seat. I think this is a team that maximized what they had this year. They had decisions to make this offseason with Baker and Mike Evans in particular, uh, and yet they can build upon and come back next year even better. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt simply because the, I believe they outperformed most expectations this season. Brent, a little follow-up on Goff and Purdy. Who needs this win more to put some respect on their name? <sighs> I will say golf, and I will say that simply because uh, I'm pointing out. I pointed out earlier he is a former number one overall pick. He was the literal throw-in in a trade. He was the guy that wasn't good enough for the other team that went on subsequently to win the Super Bowl directly after they traded him. He is the guy leading a, a more bound franchise into prosperity and can prove himself to be a made man in Detroit. And so. I, I, the way I described Purdy earlier to me is the way he should be viewed. He is a cog in the machine. He is not the guy. In Detroit, Goff has a chance to become the guy, abolish so much poor history, and at the same time really establish himself as one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, Brent, you know you mentioned number one overall picks, and, and a big debate right now in Chicago is do you keep Justin Fields? Do you trade Justin Fields? Do you keep the pick? Do you trade the pick? How long do you wait for that to happen? I mean, it's a good position for Chicago to be in, but also uh, it seems like a decision that will just eventually stress management and, and the coaching staff out because they're going to feel like they're running out of time. What do you think is the best course of action for Chicago to take with the number one pick this season? I don't believe it should be strenuous because be, the situation became crystal clear in week 18. When you saw the way the Chicago Bears played against the Green Bay Packers, specifically the juxtaposition of the two quarterbacks on the field, it was clear 
that Jordan Love is already a superior starting option, right? So he threw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, they win the game. Meanwhile, the Chicago coaching staff doesn't even have enough confidence in Justin Fields for him to throw the ball 20 times, right? And, yes, there are issues within Chicago's uh, roster. They need to rebuild their offensive line again. They still need more weapons. I could make an argument all day long until I'm blue in the face that they did not do him right after drafting him by improperly building uh, that roster. So I look at Justin Fields this way. He is going to be a quality starting quarterback in the NFL, just not in Chicago. It's not the right situation. It hasn't been for the last couple of years, and that's become apparent. And with the way Green Bay's trending and the way Chicago has not done or has not built around fields properly, it's time to finally reset the clock. You have an opportunity with extenuating circumstances, thanks to the Bryce Young trade, to take your quarterback a choice, pair him with a new, your new offensive coordinator, have them work together for multiple years, and see if you can improve that offensive situation overall and not have to pay Justin Fields his fifth-year rookie option, which that decision is coming this offseason, and potentially a mega contract much sooner than you would with a new talent behind center. Brett's another uh, franchise that needs a little bit of help in the guidance category, uh, but may have seemed to get it, uh, is the team in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans. They uh, bring over Brian Callahan from the Cincinnati Bengals, and Brian has kind of this um, this stellar reputation for being the offensive thinker, quarterback whisperer, whatever you want to attribute to his name. He, he's, he's been known to be that guy. However, uh, who's the quarterback in Nashville that he's whispering these sweet nothings to? <laughs> Odds are it's going to be Will Levis because they currently sit with the seventh overall pick. Current expectations when you're doing early draft projections, well, first overall pick, second overall pick are going to be quarterbacks. Number three, Jerry Mayo has already hinted the Patriots are going to take quarterback at number three, so that could very well be the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels. So if all three are off the board, now you're into tier two of quarterbacks, and are you making that leap? Probably not. Furthermore, you still have the same general manager in place that traded up in the second round last year for Will Levis. And, yes, he showed um, some some flashes last year, particularly in his debut. He showed the second-round pick with some of the decision-making that he made throughout beyond that uh, initial uh, contest. But what I will say is this. And I think you guys are sensing a theme with me here. It's about surrounding cast. It's situation, situation, right. situation, right? And so, to me, the Brian Callahan hire is absolutely fascinating for one specific reason, offensive line. The Tennessee Titans had the worst offensive line in football last year. It's no secret. Everyone understands this. They can address the position with that seventh-row pick. But here's the caveat. Brian, Cal- Brian Callahan's father just happens to be the best offensive line coach in football who currently coaches for the Cleveland Browns. Will Bill Callahan accept a position to work with his son and and really uh, put the foundation that's needed properly to allow Levis to succeed and that offense to get back on track? To me, that will be one of the most fascinating decisions we'll see this entire offseason. Brent, I want to shift gears actually to the NFC North, but not the Lions. I want to go Vikings. Do they re-sign Kirk Cousins? 
Well, according uh, to the general manager, they absolutely will. And I think it's um, a bona fide mistake, to be quite honest with you. And it's not a slight against Kirk Cousins and the type of player he is, but he's very much established in the vein that we were discussing earlier. He is the guy you want operating the offense. He is not the guy if you need him to make plays outside of the offensive structure. It's been proven over time, over a very long career, and he's been paid premium dollars to be that type of player. Do they have a better option at the moment? No. But what I will say is this. You go out and you look to see who you can pair with Kevin O'Connell, who can fit into that offense, who can bring more to what they do. Much like what we saw with Josh Dobbs early in his tenure coming into that situation where he was able to create with his legs. They were able to open up the offense, add more of an RPO game. These are things that you can utilize in a quarterback class that you may not be in that top three range as we were discussing earlier, but how about a Michael Penix from Washington, right? How about a Bo Nix from Oregon? These are names of experienced long-term starters in college in, in Bo Nix's case, literally the most starts ever for a collegiate quarterback, thanks COVID. So if you can get a guy like that that can step in that aren't going to be overwhelmed by being in a locker room full of men uh, that have been in the league for a long time, that's the perfect setup because you're building towards the future while having someone in the present. We're talking to Brent Sobolewski, NFL analyst at Bleacher Report. Brent, uh, another coaching question for you. Let's go to the West Coast and talk about the Chargers. They had a second uh, meeting with Jim Harbaugh. And my first thought was this, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but Jim Harbaugh, hot commodity on the market, right? Just won a national championship. You would think that he wouldn't need a second interview. Would the only reason for a second interview be if they had a guy of like his caliber too that was also a candidate say like Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick it's possible uh, in this scenario I think it's them essentially going through the process as they should I uh and and let's let's take a step back currently and remember why he was so successful with the San Francisco 49ers but flamed out very quickly in that scenario right he is a certain type of coach, and, and, and the best way to describe it, and I've, you've, you've heard the comparisons, he's much like Bill Parcells. He comes in with a certain type of fire, a certain type of demeanor. He expects, uh, has very high expectations of himself and everyone in that locker room, and it works at first, right? It re-energizes an organization, a program, a franchise, but also over time it wears thin. And so you as an organization have to make a decision. Is Jim Harbaugh going to be someone that's going to be here three, four years, or someone that we think can be here, you know, for a longer period of time. And if you don't necessarily think he can be the latter, you should automatically go through the process and see some of the young and up up and coming coordinators. Look, Bobby Slowick has really um, impressed uh, multiple teams uh, reportedly. You have um, Johnson from the Detroit Lions, you have McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens. These are these guys are all 36, 37 years old, right? They they're coming into the, they would come into the head coaches. Arguably, well, two of them would be the youngest head coach in the NFL, depending on if one of them gets the job and one's not much. So um, that's really what you're weighing to me, and you're having that conversation. And it's not just about Harbaugh; it's also about Bill Belichick. And I tweeted that actually short right before we came on the air that. 
Atlanta Falcons are looking at <clears throat> Belichick and Slowick as arguably their top two candidates, and one would be the oldest kid in a, uh, head coach in the NFL fired. The other one would be the youngest. That's a, it's a, <laughs> a, a, a utterly amazing dynamic when you think about it. But with the Chargers, they have options, and that's what's really strong about their, their setup is they have the most enviable job on the market because of one person, Justin Herbert, and nowhere else has that that established uh, franchise quarterback. And so if you want Harbaugh, I think they get Harbaugh, but it just depends if someone else impresses them while they work their way through the process. Brent, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for taking 20, 25 minutes out of your day to talk NFL with us. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, everyone. Enjoy the games this weekend. Hey, you too, man. Brent Sobolewski, NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. Great stuff there at Brent Sobolewski on Twitter. All right, when we come back, there was one more perspective that we did not get to, and it involves your Omaha Supernovas. We will talk about that next when we come back. Stick around. More Heard at Sports Radio with Anna Bellinghouse and Andrew Rogers.